the project. Kuwait. Learn. Meg. What's up? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Well, to everyone else, this is going to be a belated New Year, but it was a good episode. Hell of a way to start yeah, off. Yeah, I think year. in January, you can say Happy New Year all month. Oh, yeah. I think it still qualifies. <laughs> and in this new year and in this new episode, you get to listen to the first 20 minutes of us just kind of shooting the breeze and you know going back and forth. And then about five minutes of pure laughter about me holding my nuts. <laughs> you holding nuts, me balls. We get we get weird. <laughs> we do. We do get weird from about minute twenty to minute thirty. But Meg gives out some good back pain advice and sometimes where it starts at, it might not actually be in your movement, but in your wallet. And then we yeah. get into supplements and their sourcing. We get into meat and their sourcing, the flour in Kuwait. What could you be eating that's making you bloated and sick? And then smelly farts. Yep. We talked about the protein. <laughs> what do they farts. mean? <laughs> but more importantly, we also dived into the 2020 predictions for the fitness industry, which was a lot of fun yeah. towards the end. Yeah. Share with us, uh, have a listen, and then share with us what your predictions are for this year in the fitness industry, what you hope to see or what you hope to see go away. And don't forget to leave us a rating and review, and you may win a t-shirt made in 2020. Woohoo! <laughs> All this and more in today's episode. So hey there, Meg, catching up on some sleep. <laughs> Happy New Year. Yeah, rough start to the new year for me. Damn. <laughs> I know. This New is Year's Day, I, yeah. A little bit of a weird back issue. I don't know if it's New Year or just aging. I hate saying that. <laughs> We're all getting fucking old. <laughs> like, that's it. We're all getting old. Chalk it up to the Almighty and just enjoy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like honestly, I'm fucking sick of people getting Botox, getting fillers, talking about butt implants and fucking facelifts and whatever the fuck else. It's like, dude, yeah. take care of your body. Like, yeah. if you give me the option for a facelift or like a valve implant, I'm taking the fucking valve implant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm taking something that will add five years onto my life. Not yeah. make me look five years younger when I'm still shitty on the inside. Yeah, feeling shitty on the inside. Yeah, that's the thing. It's funny, but it's, we were just kind of talking about this a little bit. And I know we've brought it up before, you know, where different struggles and emotions and things will kind of like manifest in the body. And it's just funny that 2019, I was funny. I was just looking, everybody's doing those decade posts, you know, of all their highlights of the last 10 years. Yeah. And, I think 2018 was definitely my best year. I was just looking at all the places like I traveled to. We started the podcast that year. I mean, there was yeah. just a lot of really cool. It was like I was running my own business for a year at that point. Out in Kuwait, there were a lot, a lot of highlights. And then 2019, I came back to the States. And then we've just talked about, you know, what a financial struggle and difference that is from living in the States compared to some of the conveniences of living in Kuwait. And yeah, that low back area is notorious for manifesting some of those financial <laughs> emotions. I know when you said when you were building your house, you had low back pain too. And it was like, damn it. I wonder if that's what this is. <laughs> Dude, honestly, I firmly believe that pain manifests in the mind. Not yeah. to say that pain doesn't happen through injury. It does. But totally. I think there's other pain that manifests in your head. And especially when financial pain, you told me about that last year. You're, yeah. When I was complaining about my lower back, you were like, well, how are you financially? I was like, why are you asking me about my financial <laughs> shit? I was like, it's struggling, man. <laughs> you know? So like, it makes total sense, you know? Yeah. I think it definitely can amplify it. I think it's like the volume dial on that pain for sure. If there's a lot of emotional stuff going on, you know, a lot of bad thoughts and, and bad energy going on, I think it totally turns up the volume on maybe any area that is craving a little bit of attention. 
for sure. Maybe you should move back to Kuwait. That's an option too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not as resistant as I used to be. You can hear it. (laughs) Hey, you always have a room. You always have a place to crash at my place. Definitely guaranteed. It's, It's totally cool. I'm sure everyone would love to see you back here at some point. It would be great. And I'll still tag along on your Boston uh, trip. <laughs> oh, you know it. You know I'm it. still crashing that one. <laughs> you know it. We're going to New Hampshire next year. Or sorry, Maine. Maine. I can't wait. We agreed Maine, on Maine. Yeah. We agreed on Maine. Yep. Old Orchard yep. Beach. Hands down, yes. we're going to Old Orchard yes. Beach. Need some saltwater taffies and a lobster roll. <laughs> Honestly, like when we first went there, me and Haya went and it was June and it was freaking freezing. Like it was Kuwait winter weather. It was so cold because it's on That's the beach hilarious. and the wind and yeah. everything. But still walking down the pier and looking at the saltwater taffy stores and just getting that breath of fresh air because you've got like the ocean on one side and then you've got pure, beautiful country on the other side. So yeah. like, it's uh, Maine's a beautiful place. Yeah, I've seen a lot of pictures and videos and people that have traveled there have told me I haven't heard a bad thing about it. I still have a dream of being like a little farm girl in Maine at some point in my life. I don't know when it's going to happen. Probably <laughs> needs to happen sooner than later. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I I came across like a little organic farm. When I was living in Kuwait, I found this account on Instagram and they do, they have like a design element. They do a bunch of flowers and they put together all kinds of different creative arrangements, but they, it's like a full functioning farm with livestock and crops and everything. And I'm just obsessed with what they do out there and they do internships. And so I've been, I've been considering that. I was like, I need to get out there and go be a little farm girl for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wouldn't blame you, dude. Farming and like just being away from people and in the middle of the north, sometimes it's good. Like sometimes yeah. it's quiet. It is. So we just did this at work yesterday for New Year's Day. If you had all expenses paid, one week vacation somewhere, do you choose the beach, the mountains, or a city? Beach, nature, or city? That's a good one. I said nature. I was like, put me in the woods, put me <laughs> in the mountains, put me... I do love a beach though. But yeah, I think I need like trees and kind of a wooded area around me. Yeah. Here's the question. Is it like the survivalist show? Like you have to survive out there? Is everything provided? I think it's just like if you had a one week all expenses paid Paid. to somewhere, where, where would you go? Yeah. Would you choose like a beach destination? Would you choose a nature destination? Or would you choose like I would choose like a a national park or something like that, which is probably stupid if it's an all expense paid place. I mean, national parks are pretty much on the cheap end of (laughs) (laughs) vacations. I probably should choose a beachy destination or a big city. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But dude, nature's beautiful though. Like to to step away from it all and just be around trees all day and like I yeah. felt it when we spent a couple nights in New Hampshire, like it was just, it was amazing. Cause all right, granted there were cars and it was more like glamping where, you know, we were staying in a cabin and we had a toilet, we had a shower, like, right, right. You know, but at the same time, like you're still outside. You can go hiking and you can, yeah, I would say that's still like a, a nature. Yeah. Destination. Swimming in a I, river. Yeah, like a, a safari or yeah. Something along those lines. I think I would, I would want to do something. Yeah. In the woods. Yeah, you wouldn't catch me on a safari. Like, I, I, ain't, getting no? any, I ain't getting eaten by no goddamn lions. I'm not getting 36 shots before I go that's to. Like, dude, so one of my buddies I, went I, to I, Africa. Oh, that's something we can talk about. And that's actually, it was one of my predictions for 2022 is the whole vaccine debate and things again. But I, of all the places I've traveled, I've been to 25 countries. I've never taken a vaccine that's been recommended before going. Okay. I'm never drinking. I've never. I'm, I'm never drinking. I've been to Africa. Of- 
like four or five times. I've never, <laughs> never I'm done. Never drinking out of a cup that you've drunk from. That is not happening. That is definitely not in the clock cards. Like if you ever drink out of a cup, if I have just finished the worst water of my life, I will not touch it. Okay. And you wonder why you can't eat chicken. <laughs> wow, that's a completely different. I'm joking, but I'm I wonder if that had an I mean, effect. If something was gonna happen to me. I mean, it would have happened by now if I were to have come down with something. So you've never had know. like malaria? <laughs> no, never have. All no. right. Yeah, I've drank the water in Africa too. All right. Were you diagnosed yeah. by a Kuwaiti doctor, like a doctor here in Kuwait? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, that is funny. Yeah, I've and I've been looking for like a primary care physician here now with having benefits and everything. And that is the struggle. Like, how do you find a doctor that you trust? Like, where do you go to find reviews or just finding a healthcare professional that you trust? I mean, it really comes down to like referrals. I think you really have to ask people and and then you got to trust. I don't know. I guess what those people go to their doctor for. It's hard. It's kind of a stressful... In Kuwait, I know it was extremely difficult. (laughs) That is very true. That is definitely... that. That is true. But this was interesting because it was a couple of weeks ago. I was staying with my cousin. She's a doctor in Iowa. And I was staying with her and she was asking me and she has reached out a few times before of resources of things for a lot of her you know, clients for like weight gain, especially like going through menopause, but a lot of nutrition stuff for a lot of her people, exercise and nutrition. And she's flat out said it. She's like in medical school. We don't spend any time talking about nutrition, talking about exercise, really. Like we know it's good. I can tell people to <laughs> drink water and sleep well and know, move yeah. and that's going to help. She's like, but I really can't take it any further than that. Like we are not equipped with the information to really guide somebody through that. So I thought that was... I mean, it was comforting to hear because, you know, you kind of think sometimes like, oh, if I don't have the credentials, I'm not a doctor. Like, do people understand and trust? But it's just interesting to know that in medical school, that I think they're overlooking a big part of what a lot of people do need support with. Yeah, no, my cousin that I wanted to bring on the show. I mean, he just got out of med school and everything. And he's been bodybuilding for the last Mm -hmm. 10 years, like he since he was 16 years old, you know, and it's funny because I kind of taught him a lot with bodybuilding when we were young, when he was younger. And he was sitting there drinking a protein shake. And I was like, dude, you're not worried about your gut health. You're not worried about any of that. She was like, no, I know it's bad for me. He was like, I know. <laughs> he's, like, I, he's like, but gains, dude, gains. gains all right. <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, all right, man. I was like, that's understandable. But then he went on this whole different, like he just started talking about what happens to protein, how it breaks down and what the sources are and everything. And I was like, did you learn that in med school? And he's like, no, man. He was like, look, no. I've been doing this since I was 18 years old. So obviously I read up on it and then mm-hmm. the interest sparks going deeper and digging deeper. And yeah. it was it was funny how he was just talking about the gut health and how it can destroy the gut microbiome if you're taking it from the wrong sources, if it's a, a shitty company, you know? And yeah. that's who I want to get on the show. I want to get Labdoor on the show because yeah. Labdoor, they test for arsenic. I never knew arsenic was in freaking supplements. They're not regulated at all. They can claim that they do anything that they want them to. And it's, there's no regulations on it whatsoever. And they're so good about it too. With When people do become aware of something bad that could be in one of those products, they can change a little something in the formula of it and then call it a different name. Yeah. And yeah. it makes it real hard for people to kind of catch up with it. But it, there's no regulation on those things. They can make all these outrageous claims of what their product can actually do. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> a lot of it's like sugar. No, it's funny. Mm-hmm. I bought a 24K thing of fish oil. This was a year ago. Mm. It was like the first time I bought a supplement and I didn't do my research on the, the actual company. 
Yeah. So I buy it. I get home. I'm all happy and shit. And then I find like 16 lawsuits against them for something <laughs> else. And it was like against yeah. the mother company. And they like, they turned the mother company. They shifted off into like 16 smaller companies, changed the that's label. Right, yeah, that's what they do. And it's yeah. like, you have to trace all the way back to yep. the source. And it's like, shit, I'm putting this in my body. And it's not regulated. No one's monitoring it. There's falsified claims. And you can only yep. just trust the source you're getting it from. Supplements are fucking scary. Yeah. I think the thing that turned me off of the way protein syrup, I remember a coach telling me this in college as well. There was only a few brands that he had recommended and I trusted, you know, his sourcing on stuff, but he had mentioned that he said, just be really careful. There's a lot of companies that just use real rotten, terrible pieces of meat and beef and stuff to get, to get their protein content out of it, the way they process it. Like they use like the, the garbage. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. They're yeah. using all the shit, like all the leftover yeah. parts from the animals. They're using that to process it. And it's just like mm-hmm. collagen, dude. Like they're making yeah. a killer with collagen. They used to throw that shit out. And now yep. they're selling it to people as a supplement in the States yep. and friggin', you know, God bless Whole Foods. Everyone's buying it from there because it's organic collagen. <laughs> it's like, dude. It is. It's funny. We went to, um, my boyfriend's birthday was on Friday and I took him to a place called Butcher in the Boar and it's a smokehouse restaurant and yeah. it's absolutely amazing. I had a beef long rib that I think that was smoked for like 15 hours and then I don't know what else was done to it, but it was incredible. <laughs> it was like the size of my forearm. It was massive. So, and we ordered bone marrow for our um, appetizer. And so it was funny. She was taking the appetizer away. And I was like, I don't want to be weird, but (laughs) I take those bones home with me. (laughs) So she loaded me up with a bunch of bones so I could make bone broth. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. Great flavor in them. But uh, yeah, it's funny. I love seeing bone marrow on a menu. That's always going to be my go-to. I see that. I'm like, 100%. I'll get that. Especially if it's a locally grass-fed quality restaurant. Oh yeah. Yeah. Quality is the, the name of the game right now. Quality is definitely the name of the game. Going back to collagen though, like one yeah. thing that I knew that it wasn't good for me or wasn't sitting well was you remember old school protein and guys always used to joke around about protein farts. All right. Like let's, right. let's be yeah. realistic. We used to, yeah. Everyone was like, yeah, dude, I got the protein farts and they'd be all happy. Like, dude, no, that's not a good thing. It's, no, that's a yes. <laughs> if you're yes, stinking like up the foul smelling yes. farts is not a good sign. <laughs> I know. Dude, if you're smelling up the gym and you're yeah. ripping ass on your squats, there's something wrong there. There's and something off for sure. When I took the collagen and this was from Whole Foods, organic, everything. So I was like, Whole Foods, you know, organic and all yeah. that shit. My stomach was just... Like, I just felt like shit. I was bloated. It was like, it's almost the same reaction I have to foods that don't sit well with me, like nuts and chicken and shit. And I was like, all right, this is like, yeah, I'm not taking this anymore. So cut that shit right out. Yeah. That is something that I think people are confused about, but foul smelling (laughs) parts is definitely a sign that there's something off in your diet or in your digestive system. If you really get a second look. Yeah, dude. (laughs) Like that's how I judge good protein now. Like a a good protein that I take. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to name any brands, but the brand that I use Mm -hmm. was created by this guy who's a physical therapist. And he says it all the time. He's like, I create my brand. My brand is based off of my reputation. He created these supplements. He was like, I only source from the best sources, blah, 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 blah. So when I tried it, sat well in my stomach. I didn't have any digestive issues, no protein farts, which was a surprise because it was the first protein that I didn't have wicked bad gas afterwards. 
Yeah. And I was like, all right, you know, and I've stuck with it since. It just makes a difference. Find what you like. <laughs> I know. Or like the uh, omega-3 fish burps. Yeah. Dude, yep. everyone knows what I'm talking about when I say the omega-3 fish burps. Yeah, that means that's you got a some, sign of, yeah, yeah. That's like you got some foul shit. <laughs> you know, you yeah. got some rotten omega-3s. It's like, not good. Yeah, and they char- dude, they charge top dollar for it. Fish oil is ridiculously expensive. And that's where it's like, I think we've talked about this a little bit before too. It's get it as much as you can from within your diet before having to yeah. reach out and go to a lot of these supplements, just knowing that the industry is so corrupt. What else is there about... Like shitty supplements. <laughs> Dude, I could go on like acetyl carnitine. It's a supplement that I always take or I used to always take. At first, it was a it was seen as a fat burner throughout Hollywood. This was like okay. I'd say early 2000s, mid 2000s, maybe even 90s. And okay. then I started taking it uh not for its fat burning effects, but for because it was seen as a nootropic also. Cuz it was acetylcholine, a, is that what you're talking no, about? No, acetyl carnitine. L-carnitine. Okay. Acetylocarnitine. There's L-carnitine and then there's acetylocarnitine. Okay. And the effects that it had was, you know, increased, what's it called? Increased neural capacity, this and that. And then I found out they give it to people with Alzheimer's and dementia and it's shown to help. But a lot of the research is on and off. I mean, it it shows like minimal to extreme and whatever, like research is research. But Mm -hmm. I found it for myself I focused a lot more, but if I had a cup of coffee or anything with caffeine in it, that's it. I was bouncing off the fucking walls for the rest of the day. Oh, interesting. And there was one brand that I was taking and when they stopped bringing it to Kuwait and I switched brands, Mm -hmm. it was like the supplement didn't work. It wasn't like my body, I had built something up and I tried micro dosing, like taking down the dosage because the dosage that I originally was taking was 250 milligrams. Yeah. And then when I switched, it was a thousand milligrams per pill. Okay. So it was like three times the amount or four times the amount of what I was used to taking. So I broke the pill in half and I was like, okay, let me do it like this and try and see if I get a different effect. Because I would take one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one at night. So I was taking like three 250 milligram pills. And I thought, okay, maybe it was the dosage. It wasn't the dosage. It was the sourcing of it. That's that's the ultimate conclusion that I came to, that I was just getting better source from this company versus the three other companies that I was trying here in Kuwait. So, yeah. Why were you taking it in the first place? I actually started taking it because I was having fatigue issues and it helped a lot Mm -hmm. with fatigue. It helped a lot with adrenal issues. And like it was just all the research on it when I was looking for something that to give me more energy, a little bit more focus at work, a little bit more focus in the gym and everything. Mm -hmm. It was that. And plus it had the the fat burning side effect, side effects with it. So I didn't take it for the fat burning side effects. I took it for everything else. And as an athlete, I felt like a different person when I would take it before a game or whatever. Okay. So was this like in college days you were taking it? No, no, this this... was recent. This was a few years ago. I just stopped taking it a year ago when they stopped bringing in the the brand that I was using. Yeah. And I wish I had it, especially with CrossFit right now. Because like I would take first thing in the morning. Then I would take it before my workout or before a baseball game or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing because like I would kind of be like hyper focused, if that makes any sense. It was almost yeah. like drinking two cups of coffee, but without the bouncing off the walls. Right, right. I think, okay. but everyone's body reacts differently. And, you know, I'm not a doctor. We're not diagnosing people. So, like, <laughs> you know, don't so go- it's been a year since you've taken it out. Like, do you still feel the fatigue issue or do you feel like that's gotten better? Or what do you think was the the alternative? 
The alternative to that right now is coffee, (laughs) you know, like like it's just, I've just drank more coffee, I would say not a lot more, Mm -hmm. but I think I've just managed my life better in a better Better, balance. My sleep's a lot better. My sleep's a shit ton better than it was a year and a half, two years ago. That's night and day, like versus back then I'd go to bed at like 11 o'clock, wake up at four or five o'clock in the morning or six o'clock. Like I was running off of nothing. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, but now it's like sleep's better, food's better. I don't really supplement with anything unless I feel that I need it. Yeah. I think that's key though. Fixing the nutrition and the sleep, like you just said. And we talked about that with, what was her name? Mary Sheila. Yeah. Mary Sheila Ganella. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mary Sheila Ganella, queen of all things nutrition. Yes. Yep. Oh, man, you're good. <laughs> I know, right? I think by the time this episode airs, we'll have dropped that episode. Dropped this. Yeah. I was just talking about that episode the other day. I was getting my hair done. The lady that's lying, which she was going on about gut health. She had her gallbladder removed in the last year. And I found myself referencing uh, the episode of Mary, oh, really? Mary Sheila. Yeah. How was that after she got her gallbladder removed? Like, what did she notice? So, like, what are the changes in her body, diet, digestion? Yeah. I mean, her liver is like basically working overtime now. So she just has to be really careful about quality and, and sources of things. She's had a lot of skin issues too. So she's been really focused on gut health and just fixing the the microbiome of the gut. You know, the microbiome on your skin is different. You know, the microbiome even in your mouth. So she's been doing a lot of self-research on it, which is pretty cool. But she does just have to be very particular about eating whole foods and better foods, things that can be processed by her body rather than anything that's processed before getting to her. Yeah. But she talked about that too. Like her doctor had given her a couple of restrictions right after the surgery was like, watch what you eat for these first couple of weeks. And then then the only other thing he ever really talked to her about was just like her incisions. Like, oh, incisions look clean. They look good and you're good to go. You can basically do whatever you want now. And she was just like, that can't be. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah. So it's, yeah, she's been doing a lot of self-research on um, nutrition and things of what to do to help support that because... Again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, the doctors are, I don't think, equipped to maybe counsel somebody. Not everybody is. I mean, some doctors, I'm sure, are. But we're talking just the majority. I think a lot of them, he's just, you know, he's a gallbladder surgeon. He's focused on what does the incision look like? How did the procedure go? And then anything beyond that, it's personal responsibility on the person. I know, right? (laughs) I know. My sister had her gallbladder taken out. And she had come to Kuwait. And for Christmas, I think 2015 or 2016. Yeah. And she was complaining. Like she used to get this once a year or twice a year where she'd get really bad heartburn and to the point where she could barely breathe. And like she was in severe pain. So when she came to Kuwait, she had it really bad. And I was like, Melissa, what's the deal? Like what's causing this? She goes, I don't know. It usually happens when I eat a lot of oily foods or a lot of fried foods. So and I'm thinking in my head, like, they just don't fucking eat fried foods. Like, Don't eat that. Yeah. Like, your body's telling you something. Your body's saying, dude, stay away from this. Do that. Like, it's sending you signals. Like, I know if I eat more than a handful of nuts, I feel bloated. I feel shitty. I feel lethargic. I know nuts, pistachios. I call that nut gut. <laughs> I love pistachios, man. I fucking love nuts. And it's just, all right, yeah. that sounded really bad. I don't love nuts per se, but I love I, I love. Uh, I'm going to want a sound bite of that. <laughs> 
And the next gift just needs to be you just piling. I love nuts. <laughs> oh, that, dude, that's a good one, dude. That is a good one. I'm going to do that. I will do I that. I will be adding that to all my Insta stories. Oh, I'm so going to do that this weekend. Well, as soon as I move to the apartment across the hall, but I'll definitely do There that. you go. <laughs> Can't believe I just said I love nuts. I always do that too. Oh, that's hilarious. I love it. But yes, I know not to eat it. And whenever Haya sees nuts in my hand, she's like, that sounded bad again. But <laughs> <laughs> my wife sees nuts in my hand. All right. But she's always like, Mehdi, are you sure you want to do that? All right. This conversation, I'm done. It just keeps <laughs> getting done. better. Just, I know, dude, it's I'm like, just, how long is he going to go? I'm just thinking. I'm going deep. You might just want to call them pistachios. Yeah. Call them by yeah. Name. So she sees me. <laughs> Oh, too good. Uh, oh my god, I'm kind of tearing up here. This that was funny. All right, all right, yeah. So, yeah, pistachios. She's like, you sure you want to do that? You know, you're gonna regret it later on. Sure enough, I do. Like, yeah. bloated, feel like shit, constipated for like a day or two. Like, just nothing feels right until it gets out of my system. And yeah. my cousin, the doctor, was like, yeah, it's just because it probably has a a longer half life in your body. Basically, how long the substance stays in your body until it fully okay. gets flushed out. So, yeah, it's hmm. like people, if you something doesn't agree with your body, just don't eat it. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. It's giving but, you the signals. But, yeah. dude, it's like bread here. And I've had this with, and I don't know if it's something with the wheat or what it is in Kuwait, but I can't eat khubazirani. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I don't know if it's hmm. something in the bread here or something there's, in the flour. Yeah, there's definitely been a few places like I've like felt like a hangover right, the next day right? after having like my eyes get puffy almost and like my face feels like swollen <laughs> in a way. And I feel like hungover. I've definitely had that effect after, yeah, eating out at some grills with the, the bread. Yeah. Right, dude. It's not just me. Like, is it molded no. bread? Like, are they just serving us like... Is it molded wheat or like flour? Like, what's the deal? I don't know. I don't know if it would be molded or if it's just something that I don't know. It's weird because it looks like it's incredibly fresh. But yeah, I don't know. I, the best way I can describe it is I've I've only gotten that I know after eating out at some of those grills and having that bread. And the next day, I feel like I have a hangover and my face is like swollen. All right, so good. Yeah. I'm glad it's not just me. I know when I yeah. eat it when I have bread in Saudi Arabia. All right. Yeah. When I have bread in Saudi Arabia, I have no effect. Like, I'm fine. Okay. I'm completely, yeah. I can eat as much bread as I want and I'm totally as you fine. Want, no problem. Versus yeah. in Kuwait, I can't eat bread unless it's like brown bread, but I always limit myself, limit myself to like two slices or whatever. Right. But yeah, dude, they're putting fucking something in the food here. I don't know what it is. Yeah, there was a little Iranian grill down the street from my first apartment that I had in Kuwait. And I don't, we didn't know the name of it. So we all just called it Shabab Grill. <laughs> where was it? Like, where was it? It's, it's no longer there because they tore that whole building down. And what are you doing with a here. softball? Like, what the hell are Sorry, you doing? I'm, I'm like, what are you doing? You're like, you got a softball. And then I just see you go inside to say, like, what is going on over there? <laughs> I'm just trying to release some of the tension in my backside. <laughs> I'm just rolling on a softball. I've got it like in the back of my thighs and on my butt. <laughs> All right. You've got a handful of nuts over there. I've got a softball in my butt. <laughs> We're just a mess this new year. <laughs> Sorry, it's like. <laughs> the only thing that keeps like I don't know I'm just shifting positions so sitting on the floor oh my so. god I just hope the only people... thing that keeps my back from like pinching up 
I hope people are laughing with us at this point. It just like not like yeah, I've shot this podcast. How off. did you see that? Did I pick it up? I must have not even realized it when yeah. I shipped it. I'm like, how did he even notice? <laughs> like I saw you pick it up, and then I just see it disappear, and then you're kind of like hovering, and shifting side to side, and I'm like. What the hell's what going the hell on, dude? <laughs> like, what that is up? Well, so a good at-home mobi- mobility tool is a uh, softball. <laughs> <laughs> See, I go with a baseball. I like the baseball because it's a baseball. little smaller. So I can yeah, that's true. pinpoint and target a little bit better. Yeah. So Typically, what I use the softball for is for like psoas. So I'll lay on it, yeah. like on my stomach in between the ribs and the hips there, and I'll do some breaths over it, but... It's just what I had close to me right now. And I just, I don't know, like I feel like a little, little knot in my bum. <laughs> I'm just trying to roll them out. <laughs> All right. So everybody, just so everyone knows, Meg is actually practicing what she preaches as she is doing yeah. the podcast. <laughs> oh my God, dude. That's awesome though. That is Hilarious. awesome. But dude, the, honestly, like a lot of people chalk getting things like that done by not having the right equipment like oh i need you know Mm -hmm. i need a roller i need this i'm like dude all you need is a softball or something that mimics the shape of a ball or something hard right you can just hit that you know that pain area and wait for that release yeah the thing is i mean it's something like you do it and it releases and it feels great and then you wake up the next day and it's closer to, you know, where it was in that point of pain than it is without something you you do have to stay very consistent with. And I think opening it up with a tool like that, and then using some movement and and strength exercises to help get your body to hold yourself in those positions and understand, you know, that it has access to those ranges, I think is very important. So it's definitely not something just to use on its own. I think that's where people get confused is they just smash their body and in workouts and get real tight and then just want to roll around aggressively on a ball or a foam roller and, <laughs> and uh, nothing really nothing really releases with it. So it's being smart about the programming, the strength work that you do along with it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just do more damage than you do good. Like totally. Yeah. With everything, there's a balance. It's like I was talking to someone the other day and and I haven't told Taya or, you know, my coach this or anyone, but I'm going to tell this to the whole world and you. <laughs> <laughs> my bicep tendon's been flaring up again. So Mm. I'm getting a lot of pain through here in the shoulder area and like right where the insertion is for the bicep. I know it's bicep tendonitis. Like I'm 100% sure of it because it's happened to me before in the past. It happens because all of a sudden my bicep and something else is overcompensating for something that I'm not working as much. Right. So do you remember Tim, the uh, wad doc? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Wad doc, he gave me the best fix for my bicep tendonitis and my brachialis tendonitis. He was like, just do three times a day, 20 controlled bicep curls where you can hold the tension all the way down and all the way up. He was like, just make sure you hold that tension to get all those muscles firing up. I swear to God, within three weeks, boom, it was just gone. Like my bicep was fine. I had no issues after that. And I asked him afterwards, I was like, does this work for other things? Will this work for forearm pain? Well, he was like, look, just if find what works for that pain and mm-hmm. for forearm pain for me a lot of reverse wrist curls was like yep. just getting that wrist mobile again and people forget they're like doctors will say don't move but you need blood you need good blood flow yeah. circulation into those muscles and into those joints again totally totally and even if it's if it's an issue on the right side still moving the left side is even going to help support that so whatever limitations you have on one side keep moving. If it's an upper body injury, keep moving your lower body. If it's a lower body injury, keep moving your upper body. It's yeah, there's, I definitely would agree with that, but I'm a huge fan of 
focusing on the eccentric. I think any kind of mechanical issue or pain issue that I've had in a lot of my like major lifts or is seeing like a drastic change in my strength. A lot of that came down to slowing down the movements, like pushups, for example, I used to always push real hard with my right side. Um, I was always compensating. And the only way that I could even that out was starting to do pushups on the eccentric. So going like a seven second descent on my pushups, focusing on that downward motion, the push, the up is actually the easy part. It's controlling it on the way down. That's a struggle. And I did that with my pull-ups, my dips, my pushups. You know, I did it from the bars, from the rings, from all kinds of different devices. And the more you can play around with that in different planes, it's that downward motion is the key. No, I totally agree. I mean, it's like pull-ups. Like I hate bands. Personally, Mm -hmm. I really hate using bands. I'd rather use a slow eccentric descent to teach my body how to do a pull-up and gain that strength from a negative pull-up versus using a band and doing 20 pull-ups and not really gaining that much strength. You know what I mean? Because it's a different type of strength. It's a different stimulus at the end of the day. And the eccentric part's where you build the most muscle. It's been proven by science that in that eccentric descent, that's when your muscles tense. That's where you're building everything out. As I'm doing this with my tiny bicep, (laughs) that freaking hurts. And I'm just like, oh, that kind of feels good right now. So have you, have you started working those in again, knowing that it helped you last time or is it still helping this time? Yeah. Yeah. What I'm doing now is because I noticed the pain starts from where the insertion is and it's starting to go down, which now it's getting, Mm -hmm. it's getting to that phase where I'm like, all right, I got to start fixing it. It's almost like my brachialis flaring up again a little bit too. So uh, I'm okay. going back to my new warm up at the gym is <laughs> like stretching out all that crap. And then I go over to the cable machine because I can control the, the weight versus using uh-huh. a band where I can't control the weight. Smart. Right. So I'm right. using that to just kind of do some tricep pushdowns, do some bicep curls and just get the blood flowing, get the muscles activated a little bit. It's more of an activation technique than anything right. else. And it's something that personally works for me because I do that. Before the workout, pain's Mm -hmm. gone for a good 20, 30 minutes. And then, but towards the end of the workout, like when shit starts to go wrong and you start compensating with this muscle over that muscle, that's when it starts, the pain kind of creeps back up. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. But just activation before, you know, and activating my rear delts, doing some face Mm. pulls, that just does wonders for everything. Cause yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. Face pulls are friggin' where it's at, dude. Yeah. I throw those in. We'll send whippets is another one. We'll have to throw up a video of that one, maybe. Whippets? See, but whippets, a, yeah. It's I a used band to do that one. at parties. <laughs> no, actually, I never did a whippet. I never did I was a whippet. Say, did you? All, I never no, did no, it. All, honestly, like, all, honestly, I never did a whippet. That's probably where all my brain. Oh, that's brain, hilarious. Right? Yeah, dude. No, I never did a whippet. But I knew yeah. guys at a party that were doing whippets and they gave whippets to a dog. Oh, no. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Like, it was yeah. pretty sad. I mean, the dog freaked out. Like, really freaked that out. That makes me really sad. No. Well, they gave um, it beer too, so. <laughs> <laughs> our dog used it. I, my, her dog growing up, I think she, she used to love beer. She would like purposely knock over bottles just to <laughs> like up stuff. It was so funny. Every time we had like neighborhood parties and stuff, she was out there knocking them all down. We're going to title this episode Meg's Alcoholic Dog. <laughs> no, but that's a whip it to a dog. That's animal cruelty. That's neat. I know, dude. I totally agree <laughs> with that. Like, it wasn't me. It was these guys. And yeah. I was like, what the hell are they doing over there? There's a, what is there's a, whip a show it, on... Uh, oh, with it, like the stretch? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So I was like, I don't want to tell people what the, they don't know what a whip it is. I don't want them getting curious. <laughs> trying it. <laughs> but the stretch, yes. So it's with a band. And basically you do like a shoulder dislocate where you like bring it behind you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. As yeah. wide as you can. And so then you never let your elbows bend through this. But basically you let that band pull you back so the shoulders are yeah. retracting. And then you pull against it and you protract as hard as you can, like reaching for a target out in front of you and then squeezing back. So it's just going back and forth from retraction to protraction with the resistance of the band. You basically just fight against gravity through it, but it it feels amazing for activating a little mobility in the T-spine and shoulder strength. That's the first thing that I do before I start working out. It's funny you mentioned that. I didn't even know it was called, but I did it once because I used to do it with a PVC pipe. I was like, let me do it with a band and kind of add a little bit mm-hmm. of a give back tension type of deal. And it friggin' mm-hmm. that's my go-to. As soon as I start working out, that's the first thing yeah. I do. Feels good. Yeah, feel yeah, oh, it feels, feels great. Good. And like all my I'll shit make a, I'll make a little video of it tonight and then we can post that one up on the Instagram maybe for people. That would give be it a awesome. try if they haven't haven't done it. That would definitely yeah. be awesome. Dude, should we get into our predictions? Like we're 40 minutes into the episode. We haven't talked oh, shit, about, yeah. We haven't talked about any it. predictions. Hold on, let me take my hat off. <laughs> Sorry, my hat's like it's small on my small ass head. I bought it in the kitchen. Your hair section. looks like it's getting long. It's pretty long. It's pretty long. I haven't gone to the barber. I need to go. It looks weird as shit and it just doesn't. <laughs> I feel like Fonzie, you know, the old guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. As soon as you said that, I was like, yes. <laughs> like, I guarantee you, like, I don't even think any of our listeners would understand a Happy Days reference. Maybe not. But we should throw up a picture of Fonzie next to you then for the next <laughs> I know, right? post as well. Yeah. You have to be doing the thumbs. Hey. I know, right? Dude, with the leather jacket. I actually have yeah. a leather jacket in the cupboard behind <laughs> me. Do you know Eddie oh Shukov? Have you ever met Eddie Shukov? I haven't. All right. He was Not on the show. We did an think, Arabic yeah. episode together and yeah. wicked nice guy. One of the nicest mm-hmm. CrossFitters I ever met. And he gives me so much shit. So the best lift of 2019, I don't know if you saw that post that everyone was posting up. What was it? It was like, you post your best lift and then you nominate a bunch of people after that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw, yeah, Asma, I think, had tagged hands and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yep. so I got tagged by Jossam and my best lift, of course, was me lifting DJ up because I'm that, oh. I'm that type of person, all sentimental yeah. and shit. And I nominated a bunch of people and then the next day I see... Ali Shukar, who had nominated a bunch of people and who had tagged me and nominated me in something. Plus 400 years, Mehdi Al-Own and Munir. And I'm like, really, dude? Like, he called me old all the time, dude. Like, he sent That's me a hilarious. message. He's like, dude, you beat so-and-so and you're 400 years older than him. And I'm like, really, man? Oh, my God. <laughs> so... <laughs> Smart ass. Uh, I know, right, dude? Let's talk about 2019. Before, do you want to go into the Instagram? Well, we the the Instagram feedback, or do you want to give the do you want to throw? Yeah, do you want to throw out your major prediction for 2019? Go do the Instagram ones first. I don't know that I have any major predictions for 2019 until I I don't know until we get talking. Then I'll probably right when we get into it. Yeah, new bunch of excuses for the lazy ones. For the lazy ones, what kind of excuses do you think? What do you think is going to be like? The Number newest? one excuse. Oh, I couldn't get it on Instagram. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's going to be it. I couldn't see it on Instagram or I couldn't, couldn't gram see it. it. On Insta- I couldn't yeah. gram it. <laughs> like, gram it. Yeah. That's totally one. If, it, if it's not an Instagram, it doesn't exist. No, I think, how about when anybody who's setting like their New Year resolutions and New Year's goals, like how long until they drop off? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is going to drop by week two of January, week three, maybe. 
So yeah. by the time this episode we'll drops, probably be catching them right at that time. <laughs> yeah, this is when the peak season goes down at the gym and memberships yeah. ended. You know, like the golden two week period of all the New Year's resolution newbies coming in. Like March they, and April were always big years or big months. Yeah, it's because of beach body. Increasing membership. Yep. Beach body. They want yep. that beach body again. And then New Year's it's the resolution. Well, yeah. You know, guys, hey, guess what? I've been saying this for a year. Resolutions don't work. Just go and do it. Yeah. Doesn't matter yep. what day of the week it is, just go and do it. Like I kept saying yeah. every year for like 10 years, I was gonna quit smoking on a Sunday or quit smoking at the new year. It never happened. I actually quit smoking on a Monday and it was like in yeah. November at like 7 a.m. in the morning after I had yeah. lit a cigarette. I was just like, this is freaking gross. Put it out. And I was done. So, yeah, but it was amazing. a mindset that I had for a year of wanting to quit. And yeah. it's like now, like when approached you for the podcast, I was like, let's do it. And we were all talking and like, all right, what are we going to do about sound stuff or whatever? And I was like, oh, I already bought it. You know, the next day it was like, yep. I just, just go <laughs> and do action. it. Just get it done. Yep. Like, that's what it comes yep. down to. Any little bit. It breeds more, more motivation for sure. Yeah. I think a new excuse will be, uh, traffic. <laughs> Tra- oh God. That's always an excuse out there. Traffic. I know. How much you can that- park for you guys. <laughs> I know. Right. How much did that piss you off when a client would say, Oh, I can't make it because of traffic and you miss out on like that. I, hour. I mean, luckily I had really great clients. Like my clients didn't miss their sessions. They didn't want yeah. to, <laughs> which was good. So yeah, that was never really an issue of like maybe starting, you know, a few minutes late here and there. If I was traveling to them, I mean, I would make sure that I had my stuff spaced out enough to where that wouldn't be an issue. But yeah, no, I never, I rarely had people canceling on me. I had enough loyal clients to where I could even devote my Thursdays were technically a day off, but I kept it as like a float day, an open day in case anybody needed to cancel throughout the week. They had that day to make up their session that week. And, and most people took advantage of that either to book an extra session or, or just to move around whatever they needed to throughout the week. Like I wanted to be flexible for them, but yeah, luckily I didn't get traffic. And at the gyms though, that was just when I was personal training at the gyms though, people coming into class, we had like a 10 minute cutoff when you can join in class because yeah. you probably missed the instruction and the warm up by that time. And so we had people all the time with traffic excuses. <laughs> We're like, you know, it traffic sucks. Like, you know, <laughs> plan for it. I know, right? <laughs> Don't book yourself for the 430 class if you get out of work at four. You can't get anywhere in a half hour. That is so true. <laughs> Wait. Dude, you're lucky you're not here. Traffic is a lot worse. It's horrible. <sighs> it is god awful. Like I used to like like going the other way in the morning, but it's yeah. just as bad. Like it is yeah. just as bad. If I leave after six fifteen in the morning, I'm hitting traffic. I have to be out of my door by like 5.45, 6 a.m. tops. All right. So more awareness on the road. Right now, the excuse is uh, snow, snow on the road, traffic. That's our excuse right now. (laughs) Yeah, but dude, you don't fuck around with snow. Like I never know. And it it doesn't go away until May. So that's the the new excuse over here. (laughs) Yeah, dude, like snow total two of my cars. Just because yeah. I was an Arab driving in snow for the first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And guys, like, learn how to drive in a, No. Especially if it's rear yeah. wheel drive, because you will have no control whatsoever. You can't have rear wheel. That's why I had to get rid of my car, because I was rear wheel drive. There was, it was a day, like, even rain, rear wheel drive. Oh, I won't yeah. handle it. Yeah, yeah no, no, you cannot true. live in a snowy state and have rear wheel drive. Yeah. Not at all. I wish I knew that before I bought my car. Cause it just late, yeah. it just sat there dormant all winter after I, I crashed it. <laughs> like it sucked. All right. It so sucks. more awareness of the real cause of not losing fat tip your hormonal system. I hope that's a trend that catches on in 2020. I hope people become more aware of that. Yeah. I think for people understanding that your hormones are what dictate everything. And that, that entire load is what 
what your body's going to be responding to. I'm, I'm all in for that one. I hope that's something that catches on. I don't think we're quite there yet, but <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I think a lot of things come down to genetics and how your body does things in what way you store fat, build muscle, however it may be. But at the same time, and everyone's different at the same mm-hmm. time though, I think we do have that ability of, as human beings to manipulate our genetics. And when we wake up our epigenetics or we try to break the mold, our body wants to stay at what it knows. It's homeostasis weight. For me, it's around 87 kilos. That's where I really struggle to break. If I want to lose yeah. weight, it takes me forever to get past 87. Once I drop down to 85, 85 to about 82 is easy. Like it's mm-hmm. it's easy for me to get down to there. But 82 and lower, oh my God. Like I have to starve myself. It just doesn't That's work. Rough, yeah. But my maintenance at 82, 83, I can maintain easier. Yeah. I can maintain with like around 3,000 calories, probably with what I'm doing in, turn, in the gym now, like around 4,000 calories. I could probably maintain around that. But I don't yeah. want to get that low. Yeah, that's not right, my goal. Right. Like, but I think everyone genetics, yes, it plays a part. But what you put in your mouth plays a part too. And what you're doing in terms of activity and everything and taking those steps forward. Yeah. I think the best I've heard it explained is that your genetics set a range of, yeah. you know, really what's possible on either end of that spectrum. And then it's your lifestyle choices that determine which end of that range you're gonna fall on. So it's not a hundred percent to blame. It is real. It is a thing. There's definitely a part, but there's a lot more control. I think that we have over it than what people believe. hundred percent, dude. And it's like the guys that are like, oh dude, I just can't, I have no more strength gains and they're relatively newbies. Like they haven't been yeah. doing it for 10 years where, yeah, their strength gain would be one pound. You know what I mean? Right. Where they would fight a year for that pound. But right. you got to push yourself. Like you got to get And that's part of the thing too. If it's someone who's, you mentioned them being a newbie, if that's the case, like when you're learning something for the first time, almost like every time you walk into that gym, it's basically a PR. Yeah. And you get yeah. used to that for almost like your first year, you know, yeah. it's like every day seems to be a little bit of a win. And so when you do get to that <clears> point where some things maybe catch up, like mechanic or stress and other sleep, sleep yeah. and other habits and things like then, yeah, you're going to hit a point where something's going to have to change. No, hundred percent. dude. That's a range. Yeah. And then more kids, PTs, less play, more business. All right. <laughs> All right. Can I take this one? Because this is something yeah, that drives me up you, you the freaking wall, dude. <laughs> All right. Seriously, parents and trainers. Okay. Kids need to be outside playing like a playground with jungle gyms and shit and like stuff they can hang off of and jump off of and get in the sand, roll around barefoot. DJ goes to a playground. The only, we go to the Marouge playground as much as possible because it's clean. Mm -hmm. It's well-maintained. He can take his shoes off in the sand, you know, the sand area. And we don't have to worry about him stepping on glass or whatever. But like, I want him to do that. I want him to get dirty. I want him to get exposed to those germs and everything because that's a part of being a kid. And it's sad that my five-year-old can do monkey bars and eight, nine, ten-year-olds can't. It's a sad thing when I see that. And when I see kids standing and you just look at their posture from below the waist and their knees caving in, their feet pointed in, their ankles caving in, it's just like these kids are just sitting down watching TV all day and barely playing. If you think you can take them to the gym for one PT, two PTs a week and think they're going to be athletically gifted or lose a bunch of weight and whatever, look, that's 45 minutes or an hour. Say it's 60 minutes. That's 120 minutes of exercise Mm -hmm. in a week. That is nothing. That is absolutely nothing to compare to when I was a child growing up. My mother used to have to fight with us 
to come back, to come back home, inside. Right. You oh, like, I know. Yeah. Same. Yeah. It's you know, the streetlights. Come on. You got to come back in <laughs> or at least, you know, get back to the block, <laughs> get back I, to the neighborhood. I, Otherwise, we were I on know. our bikes and running around playing games all the freaking time. I mean, that's part of like Minnesota too. When you had weather where you could be outside, it was like, but even in the winter too, you just bundle up and you just get out there and yeah, yeah we were out there all the time, but that's, you know, so we, the second project that we had when I came to Kuwait and was working with circuit, we did the women's gym and then we had a kid's program. So in the building that they're in, that was the second floor, third floor and fourth floor is what we had. And then the second floor was a kid's program. And we ended up, I mean, we had it around for like a year or so. We ended up getting rid of it because we just realized too, like the education just didn't really need to start there with the kids. A lot of it was with the the parenting and the expectations. There. I mean, we could have these, but th- that's what it was is like, they would drop the kids off and it was just like a babysitting hour. But then also like we had nine, 10 year olds and they're like, didn't know how to tie their shoe. They would literally step their foot out and the nanny would get down and tie their shoe. We had stairs that we would run. You know, we do this with our adult classes too, but with the kids, you know, you play games and you go out to the stairwell and we try to get in some stepping and running and the struggle that kids had to even do the pattern of stairs yeah. was shocking. I mean, this is like stuff we just weren't prepared for. <laughs> we were just like, what? Like, are you kidding me? And so you play games and you try to get as fun as you can for them. But at the end of the day, like it's, yeah, they need to be outside. hundred percent agree that they need to be out of 90 degree walls. They need to be out in the fresh air. They need to be experiencing and playing and creating their own games, not doing what somebody tells them to do. Yeah, I think they definitely need that creative expression. And then the other part of it too, is like you get parents that would walk in at their kids and they'd be standing at the front desk and you don't want to know what programs we have. And, and right in front of the kid, they'll just say things you're like, well, he's fat. He needs to lose weight. And I'm just like, that's your seven-year-old. I, I know, like, right? Dude? What are you saying to him right now? Like I wanted to, there are so many parents I wanted to take out back and just smack around yeah. for a minute and just be like, listen here, this is not your kid's fault. This is <laughs> no, I know. And, well, I still coach baseball. Like I still do PTs in baseball because I believe mm-hmm. it's a skill and whatever you could do to enhance that skill is worth it. And I told the parents straight up, like one of my clients, right. I told the parents, I said, look, your son's playing, you know, baseball. He's practicing something that's a skilled game three times a week. Well, guess what? That's not enough. I was like, they have to work at home. They yeah. have to do this stuff at home. What they do with me totally. is one hour a week. And then if they go to practice yeah. and their coach sucks and he reinforces bad habits, everything right. I did was washed away unless they do the small drills. And I always give them one drill is their homework for 15 minutes because just I know, yeah, yep. I'm like just focus on that. And it's the simplest thing is taking a ball, throwing it up against the wall and catching it. Like, that's mm-hmm. it. That was one drill I always give kids. And it's just like, and they're like, well, how do I get better? I'm like, play baseball. Like, that's the best way to get better is get a stick, play some stick ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But when they're like, oh, yeah, we have to study for three hours and we have to do this. My question is, all right, well, how much time did you spend playing Fortnite or watching TV? Like, oh, right. no, we only play games for an right. hour. I'm like, okay, well, instead of playing games for an hour, get outside, play baseball. Go, pl- go play. Yeah. And that's the other, the attention and the focus, I think, in school work too. I think a lot of kids being, I trained two, two teenage girls before I had left Kuwait. And there was a lot of pressure and focus. I think that one in particular had put on herself for school. And I think a lot of that came down to the, the confidence of, she was smart. She was a smart kid in class. She was overweight. And I think that that's the one thing she felt like she could control were her yeah. grades and her good effort. And that was the thing that she was always praised for. And I was just thankful that she had parents that were like, listen, like, we're not putting this pressure on you. Like, if you get like a B in your class, yeah, we're still proud of you. We just want you to be healthy and and be happy. And 
there was a lot of mindfulness coaching on that side with it. But I think, yeah, the problem, kids, kids don't need to be going to a PT. There needs to be like more play groups and more outdoor adventure opportunities, I think, for them to get outside and just create their own games and play and social interaction, social skills. Like that's the other thing too. Like there's a lot of awkward adults out there. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> it's probably from, from like a yeah. lack of getting outside of even family relationships and just building bonds and friendships with people outside of who they're with all day. So I don't know. Dude, but the school excuse, like I'm sorry. And this goes out to every kid that I coach that is listening to this show and gave me the yeah. school excuse. Megan, what was your practice schedule like when you were in high school in the States? We had like three hour practices after school. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Anyone who uses the school excuse, like go, yeah, you're full yeah. of shit. Okay. Cause yeah. you guys in the States, it's right after school at high school, all my buddies. Yeah. And even yeah, with college like baseball between school ending and having to be in the water. Yeah. yeah. Dude, college, college baseball practice was started at four. We usually finish classes at like two, two thirty, maybe one or whatever. So it was right. literally grab something, go to practice. And we had practice yep. three times a week, plus two games. So that was baseball mm-hmm. five times a week. Five times a week. And yeah. you were, you were yeah. expected to maintain your GPA and maintain your level of play. Whereas here, parents are like, no, 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 school's first, school's first. Well, you know what? If your kids are active, it bleeds over into school. It teaches them different skills, in my opinion. It totally does. It teaches you time management. It teaches you some discipline. It definitely does. That was the biggest takeaway from athletics. All right. So the next one was from one of our buddies who was on the show. I won't name his name because we usually keep the Instagram stuff off. (laughs) But uh, he just wrote Saudi Arabia. And I agree 110 friggin' percent. Not only are they booming as a country right now by changing all their laws and opening things up and doing things differently, but they're hosting the Sand Clash in February. I'm doing the qualifiers right now. I don't know why I signed up for it, but the, <laughs> the, I know, right? The first place prize take a home is 15,000 riyadh, which is around 1,500 KD. First place, you know, winning first place. And that's insane. The 500 Real event win cash prize. So like, who are they expecting as participants? Because it's going to be really hard for expats to get in on this, wouldn't it? They're doing the same thing where male individuals is GCC or whatever, but teams is open. And no, I mean, right now, Saudi Arabia has made it easier to attain visas. They've made it easier to do a lot of things. Yeah. So they sent out 15 invitations they have 15 invitational invites, apparently, and they're only the cuts 25 athletes for the open thing. So it's, it's going to so be the, the competition is just a pool of 25 people and the and the top person takes home 1500 KD. Yeah. Yeah. 25 people plus wow. the 15 invites. So 40 people all together okay. for each category. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So oh, that's awesome. I mean, I told who I, else is, do you know who else is doing the qualifiers? They're signed up. Are there any big names going? Nasr Wayeh out of CrossFit Kuwait's going. He's a big name. Okay. He's really good. He was the guy that was in WWE. Ali Jamal's yeah. in. I think Ali Jamal's a rising star. I love that guy. Nicest guy I've ever met, to be honest with you. And he's one hell of a cool. CrossFit athlete. He destroyed a workout. He was like, yeah, you're doing good. I was like, dude, I was only 120 reps behind you, man. Oh <laughs> he, was, he was like, I like the movements, but he's going. I think Bedr Khemis is going. He's a good CrossFit athlete. A lot of good nice. cross. Umda was invited. I saw him accept the invitation. Go, He's going to go clean house over there. God, I love Amda, but he was the biggest pain in my ass when I was managing him. Really? <laughs> just because pay sheets, he just like with his personal training and pay sheets and stuff, never wanted to double 
double check his work and I always had to do it for him. And I was just like, God damn it. Every time I'd always have to hunt him down to do his payroll. But he was now he's a good guy. And I can't blame him. It was, I mean, a little bit of a language barrier with some of it too, but God, he got emails from me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into gym management. Like I got to talk to you about that. We definitely got to yeah. talk. I got to tell you my story from today. So basically it's, it's a big payout. It's going to be a pretty big comp. I think Saudi Arabia is trying to make their mark <clears throat> and I think they will. And they're probably going to start to turn out better athletes than we have here in Kuwait because like people aren't as privileged over there in you know, yeah. a lot of the times you see the people that have less privilege are the ones who make it in sport because they work, work harder. harder. That's just how yeah. it goes. I mean, yeah. you look at all the greatest athletes. A lot of them came from poor backgrounds. We used to, in the beginning, them wanting to bring their concept over there and particularly for women in fitness. So I think that might be a big scene that's going to come up in Saudi as well. Probably. The women's fitness scene. Oh, no, they have. They just introduced Orange Theory a couple months ago. Yeah. I know a bunch That's of coaches. Exciting. A bunch of coaches from Kuwait left Kuwait to go to Saudi Arabia. To go to Saudi Yeah. So. God, I don't know. I thought about that. I'm like, if I ever got offered something in Saudi, you know, when I was out in Kuwait and I'm like, if they wanted me to go open up a place or something on Saudi, I, I don't know. I couldn't come up with a number of how much they'd have to pay me to live there. Dude, but it's not bad. <laughs> it's not bad anymore. <laughs> Really? No, it's like, I get it. I get what you're saying, but it's really, yeah. they've opened up the country so much. Like, That's interesting. Yeah. They had Christmas trees and malls. Like, dude, they were a little more open than Kuwait oh, was this year. Yeah, dude. Okay. Like they had a rave wow. apparently a month ago or something. Like they had a bunch of like the best DJs or something. I don't know. Like they've been doing a lot. Huh. I know they've been doing a lot of work on tourism and trying to get in, people into the country. In what year did they legalize alcohol? I think they're gonna. I honestly think that I don't think we're far away from them legalizing it. Like I think, you don't think so. No, I th I think they'll do it. I think yeah. they'll do it in select locations and areas, right? Just because I think keep it kind of contained. Yeah, and they're realizing. <laughs> yeah. I think they realize, hey, we're missing the boat on Dubai, Qatar, Bahrain, and whatever else. So totally, we need to bring in some of the Americans and everyone. They have tourism. They could right. have a historical, you know, like history stuff. No more coaches, only athletes. No more coaches, only athletes. No, no more, no athletes, more athletes, only coaches. Said, sorry, no more yeah, athletes, I was like, that doesn't coaches. make any sense. I was like, I feel like everybody's trying to be a coach. I know, right? All right, my bad. I know, right? We, <laughs> I think I read the question, read too much into the question. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think anybody, once they kind of get past that breaking point or that peak of it being, it's done something big for them, a lifestyle change or something, they want to start sharing that with other people and they want to start kind of getting into the coaching realm. Which I think is, I don't know, I think everybody has something to offer. But as far as like, I don't know, who can be qualified to a coach, I think that just comes down to like, I guess, who you vibe with. And then as far as like an education or a background goes or certifications, I don't know, I'm kind of on, on the fence of what's required of that of somebody to be a coach. I think experience is definitely key. I think there's a lot of people running around with certifications that don't yeah. have any of the experience. I think there's a lot of people running around with a lot of the experience that don't have any of the certifications. So I see that as more of like, I think people wanting to share what's really helped them and wanting to, to help others with that. Which there's nothing wrong with. I think like yeah. hey, I've been trying to talk Hay into coaching just because mm -hmm. she's done it from the beginning. She's been doing it for two or three years now where she knows how to get a beginner started. 
And I think if you can get a beginner start with the right steps of doing the mundane, boring things or whatever, and you're that type of coach where you'll say, hey, I'll get you started. I'll take you to this point. But until I'm confident enough that I can bring you past that point, I'm going to pass you on to someone else. And I think... Yeah. And I think that's great. I think that's knowing exactly that of like, how can you guide somebody or take somebody like knowing what you're qualified to do to help that person and then knowing when it's past you, you know, or it's just out of your realm. I know I get working with mindfulness, you get people sometimes coming in with like mental health issues. And I'm like, listen, I'm just not equipped to deal with <laughs> yeah. that type of personality disorder. <laughs> you know, like That's not my area. So I think it's just definitely knowing there's that's responsibility on the coach for sure. And on the, on the athlete, I think just to do their due diligence and who they're working with and being clear about their goals and expectations. No, I know. It's something that drives me nuts. And I coached baseball for what, like 15 years. I didn't call myself a coach, like a good coach until after year eight or year seven. Yeah. That's when things like you'd see the same problems reoccurring. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you'd see, and if you get like, if I see a kid that throws, you know, three quarter all the way out here, I have one drill that fixes it after three practices. And yeah. it's the easiest drill in the world. I keep it simple. It's not talk, talking to them for an hour about their mechanics. It's literally putting them up against a fence and just being like, come over the top. Because if you come yeah. out here, you're going to hit the fence every time. But if you come over the top, yeah. you're not. And then even if I get a three-quarter balance, I'm happy with that. But it's years and years of coaching experience to get those little drills. Yeah. And that's just my opinion on it. I think if you're going to be a coach, great, but know your limits. Totally. Yeah, I agree. And then we have... The same shit, different packaging. <laughs> I love that comment. I love because that. It's so true. Yep. <laughs> what totally. do you think is going to make a comeback this year? Ooh, I know it's hard to say because it's like we've talked about this before. Like keto, low carb, Atkins, all that shit is the same, right? Yeah. It's just kind of yeah, repackaged a little differently. Yeah, F forty five, Orange Theory, Barry's Boot Camp. It's all kind of the same. Yep, knockoffs, <laughs> knockoffs from CrossFit. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. God, which I heard Kuwait's getting a soul cycle too. I think there's a lot of spin. Spinning is oh, kind yeah, of been yeah, making, yeah. making a big show coming up. Same shit. What's going to make a comeback? What are some old blasts from the past? I can think of like the fanny packs. Fanny, fanny packs? packs? I hope fanny packs. Oh, those already it. have. Those already have. We sell those oh, at no Lulu shit, and they dude, go really? they go crazy. Oh my God. I wear one every day at work. <laughs> <laughs> those already have. <laughs> all right. All right. MC, Hammer, MC Hammer pants with the fucking with Ooh. the uh, tank top. With like the, the Jimmy String Tame Talks. You know what I'm oh talking my about? God. Like the whole I 90s not, look will but... come back. <laughs> <laughs> shake weight, maybe? It's... Oh, God, the shake weight. Oh, no, the Bowflex. You can do it all with just That's one... what I was trying to think of. It was like the Thighmaster. I know, Bowflex, right? All dude, that kind of dude, shit. The Thighmaster is yeah. easy to come back every five or six years. The Bowf- Bowflex. You could get it all. I want Tybo to come back. <laughs> <laughs> what is Tybo? Like, what is it, karate? You never did Tybo. <laughs> I never did Tybo. I did not fall like down that rabbit hole. It was Billy Blanks, I think was his name. And it was like little DVDs that you put in. It was like little kickboxing videos. God, that shit was so much fun. He was so motivational. I hope that comes back. I'm, I'm going to, as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to Google and see what he's up to. <laughs> Where he went. <laughs> There's some other comebacks. I feel like fashion, it's hard to say because I feel like there's already so many things that like there I see all decades like now. I everybody is wearing everything. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking like exercise wise. I think I honestly yeah. think I'm kind of waiting for the I think the bro split, the traditional bro split is dead. But I'm thinking people are gonna go back to the basics again. Like what Arnold had in his encyclopedia. I just think is like it's getting too crazy. The movements are getting too yeah. crazy these days. Where I think people are just gonna go back to 
the squat, the deadlift, overhead press, bench press, and the row. The row, do not forget the row. <laughs> like the row is my and favorite. That's, and that's what's funny row. is because like I feel like, yeah, as far as like functional movement go, or back to the basics of things of like, yeah, squat, pull, press, I feel like that's an area that I've already been pretty submerged in over the last few years. But when I talk about it with people who are kind of in the mainstream, big globo gyms or lifetime type facilities, it is a new concept for a lot of them still. So I don't know. It's why, like, I think of like the move natural. It's like just back to the basics of, yeah, getting back to squatting and pulling and more of those functional movements throughout the day and your daily activities. So it kind of like tags on like with the minimalism lifestyle. Yeah. So I think, I don't know, maybe some kind of a blend between like minimalism and fitness, <laughs> minimalist <Maybe>. fitness routine. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. All right. How about this one? (laughs) Kuwait will develop a spa treatment to get a CrossFit body without doing CrossFit. I love that one. I totally love that one. They're already doing it. They have ab implants. They have chest implants, calf implants, bicep implants. Like they're already doing it here. People always want the easy way out. They've tried to develop the magic pill. They'll get it sooner or later. But when you cut out there for a little bit, all I heard was calf implants. All right. Well, yeah, they'll get it eventually. Like it's going to happen. Everyone's looking for the easy way out. Boom and fitness in Asia. What do you think of that one? Boom and fitness in Asia. I think, yeah, I think it's definitely, it's funny. One of the guys who had started at, at the gym with me in Kuwait, but, and then I think he was in Singapore for a little bit. And then Vietnam, he was out there doing the CrossFit scene in Vietnam. So yeah, I think now he's in Costa Rica, I think, but, um, I don't know. I feel like there may be, be some things happening over there. I would agree. Catching on. I would definitely yeah. agree. All right. So what's your prediction? Like you have one prediction. What's you going to be your big prediction of 2019? 20. Uh, sorry. 2020. <laughs> 2020. Yeah. I think more research coming out or maybe not even research, but I think just more stories of people who have been trying out like a vegan lifestyle or a carnivore lifestyle and finding that it's not sustainable or that the benefits wear off. Yeah. I think that's one. I think that it's caught a lot of hype in this last year and people are trying to move a little bit more towards it. But I think, I don't know, and maybe it's still too early for something like that. I think it's kind of, you know, after a few years, something like that happens. Either that or the only other thing I can think of, and this is only because I've been seeing a few more lately, is the whole vaccine debate of what issues they cause and are they healthy for kids. I see that kind of taking off again. Yeah, yeah. I could probably see that taking off. But I mean, people have to understand the guy who based his research, like it was all fabricated. At least that's through the research that I've done when it came to vaccines, when we were thinking of not vaccinating DJ. And when we found that shit out, that's when we're like, right. oh, hold on. The guy who wrote the paper lied about this shit. So we were like, no, we're going to do the vaccinations. And you've seen like weird diseases popping back up. And it's because people aren't vaccinating their kids. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, I was just listening to a podcast the other day about it. And it talked about ways that the the government used to vac, not vaccinate, but what kind of, they would offer vaccines in like really low income, poor neighborhoods, rough neighborhoods and things. And they would offer like vaccinations. And it was basically knowing that there was risk for death and things. And it was kind of as a way of experimental like yeah. research, basically knowing that there may be risks and things like that. So there's, I don't know, that was with, uh, I forget the name of the guy, but it was a CIA like expert that was in doing an interview on that. And I've just seen yeah, a lot more of it of cases of families kind of being like paid off under the table to not bring up stories and things. But again, it's like, who knows the truth on either side? This is where it gets so hard, especially when yeah. government's in control of it. Like you never freaking know. But I just kind of wonder if that debate's going to take off again, just because I've been seeing more and more stories 
lately and more topics about it. So I wonder if that's something that's coming up. I know Ben Greenfield did an episode this year about that, about like spacing out the vaccines for kids. Yeah. And benefits of that maybe. Yeah. Compared to doing them all at once. But those are kind of some of the health things I've had on my radar a little bit. But I think the benefits of vegan or carnivore dying off for people. And I think it's just going from that highly processed diet, switching over from one of those things. If you go from a highly processed diet to eating better quality meat, like great. You're definitely going to feel great. Yeah. Go from highly processed food and you switch over to being vegan, 100%, you're going to feel better. But after how many years does that last? Is it sustainable? I don't know. Totally, dude. No, I totally agree with you. I think that's a good one. I think that's definitely good. Mine is a controversial one. It is the death of CrossFit. The death of CrossFit. I think CrossFit (laughs) has been in a decline for, well, it's been flat for two years in the States. And I, from what I've read, it's been mixed reviews. And I think it's in a decline in the United States. And now I think they're coming out and saying it's declining internationally too. Like it's nowhere as big as it used to be. If you watch videos from 2011, 12, 13, and 14, the stadium was packed. Like they had people at the events. And if you look at like, dude, Dubai, there was no one there. Like it looked like a ghost town. Like I couldn't believe it. Like Oh, really? For DFC? Yeah, it didn't look like it was packed. Like, if you have a stadium and you you got big names, like, it should be packed. You know, like, you should have a ton of people. Even if you're giving out tickets for free, pack up the stadiums, dude. Like, make it look like a buzz. If you make it look good, everyone's going to be interested. But even in the States, like, if you look at the games last year, I don't think you had the turnout that it used to have. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. I don't know. I'll probably... I'll definitely talk about that with some people on both ends and, and kind of get their perspective. Cause I only see it through the social lens. I haven't been to either of those events this last year, but I do know that the whole decision for switching away from the structure of regionals and all that kind of stuff was to put more focus on the CrossFit health side of things. And so it's, it's turning more to healthcare professionals. So like doctors and giving them the education on nutrition and fitness and offering that kind of support. That is the direction that Glossman wants to take it. So if there is a decline, I would say in that, but maybe we'll see a growth in healthcare quality. Yeah. You know, or I don't know exactly where that's going to go. But look at the movements. If you look at the movement patterns from before to the movement patterns now in the game, you know, the open and everything, the open this year and last year, I think 2019.19 and 20, I think the opens were a little bit easier than previous years. But the overall movements you see in the games, normal people can't do that shit anymore. You know what I mean? Like you look at watch 2011, 2012, their max lift was a deadlift. You know what I mean? Like they had max out lifts that was a deadlift right. they had a run with the uh carrying a dummy they had hay jumps they had whatever whereas now it's like friggin 20 ring muscle ups 30 50 foot handstand walks and they're turning it into something that the average person simply can't do can't do yeah so i think yeah their programming went away from that in terms of the games and giving people that incentive to do the open kuwait had an extremely low number of open participants this year james wright brought that up he was like dude what's going on with kuwait like there's nowhere near as many participants in the male open i was like yeah that's i never even looked at it that way so i wonder i Mm. just think it's turned too competitive from the open. Whereas, I mean, what, when they used to do it before, they'd have hundreds of thousands of people doing it. Like, I wonder what the decline was in this year's open compared to last year and the year before that. It's funny because I was in regionals before they even had an open. The first year of the open, I think that was in 2012. Yeah. 
I think it was there 2011, maybe. No, the first year sectionals was in 2011, I think. It was one of those, 2010 or 2011. And then um, the Open started in 2011 or 2012. I can't remember. But yeah, the first two years when I went to regionals, it was like our craziest movement was a kipping pull-up. <laughs> exactly, though. And like... then I think 2012, yeah, was when it started getting crazy. And that's when I dropped off. And it, it kind of had to become basically a full-time job for training. But... Yeah, I don't know. I just think it may look like it's dying just because of the direction of where they're putting all their attention and where it is going towards. But I know like definitely affiliates in the States. I mean, this is something that hadn't been talked about, I think, for a long time. Is it, The number was always focused on how many affiliates were open. And there were thousands of them that were constantly opening up in the States. But yeah. nobody was ever talking about the number that were closing down. Yeah. And I think that was just a lot of people not being, you know, probably the same transition that we're talking about people becoming more coaches than athletes. That was people jumping into owning a business and they yeah. weren't, you know, prepared for the programming, the operating of the business, the coaching, the classes, you know, the cleaning, the, I mean, you had like, it was like a one man show at a lot of these places and a lot of people just not, not prepared or being able to sustain that, that hectic lifestyle of a, uh, running a gym like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I mean, that's totally true. And you see it here. A couple of boxes have closed down over the last year. Uh, and I mm. think more set to close down. I, look, I agree with you. I think it's great. They're going towards the health side of it. I think it's amazing. I just think they need to bring it back to its roots. And when I say bring it back to, to its roots, bring it back to the guys that used to participate, like the guy that does work nine to five and wants to go do a CrossFit class and be competitive. And, and I think the gyms that to... are thriving are the ones that are focusing on that. I think they are very focused on the the general health and wellness. I think those are the gyms that are surviving. I don't think, I think yeah. it's the ones that probably had a lot of focus on competition and kind of that elitist mentality with it. I think those are the ones that won't survive or haven't survived. I agree with you. I agree. I think that's a great point. And the part of that community feel too. I think totally. it's when they focus on the community, like, dude, you go to CrossFit Southie, it's a community. Like everyone's there, everyone's friends. Oh, you go to Invictus Boston, everyone's friends. Everyone knows everybody. Everyone's really nice. And same thing with CrossFit New England. Here in Kuwait, I saw that at when I walked into Grit Kuwait, I thought they were the nicest group of guys I ever met, to be honest with you. Like what which, gym was that? Grit or CrossFit Kuwait. I think they changed to Grit, but CrossFit oh, Kuwait. They changed to Grit. Okay. Uh, yeah. Real great group of guys. They were wicked nice when I walked in and it felt great. You know, like that was cool. That was pretty cool. It, it kind of, it reminded me like when I was in the States and shit, you know? Yeah. So, but I don't know. I predict the death of CrossFit. I think it's, it's slowly dying and they don't know how to yeah. revive the games and everything. Like you're not going to make money. Like you switched. They took out regionals for these sanctional events because they're probably not making money. They're running at a loss every year. So CrossFit doesn't want to assume the burden anymore. Yeah. And yeah. You know, it just makes sense. But maybe it's the death of group fitness and group classes. Oh, I hope so, dude. They kind of started it. <laughs> now I don't want to say they started it, but that was seeming a big draw to it. That's kind of what inspired things like, you know, Orange Theory and yeah. Barry's Boot Camp and all that. What about influencers? What's our prediction for 2020 in that whole industry? <laughs> I think influencers. Social media influencers. Yeah. What's yours? I'll tell you mine. I don't think they're going to get the payouts and contracts that they have before. I think it's kind of like bloggers. I think if you were in it at the right time, you can probably maintain on that. But I think anybody new trying to get into it, I think it's a definitely a dying path. <laughs> yeah. And I think their dying path is going to be like, they're slowly going to get found out <laughs> for like mm -hmm. the bullshit and being assholes. Like, dude, I bumped into an influencer who definitely doesn't like me. And that person 
gave me a nudge, believe it or not. I'll tell you the whole story later. I'm not going to talk about it on the show. Yeah, I can't But, like, it was pretty tense. And it's just like, I mean, I know I've talked shit about every influencer equate. I don't deny it. I don't care. Yeah. But because some of them aren't peddling the right ideas. And you got to listen to the episode we did with Dr. D. Abolish. I found out that an influencer was charging like 4,000 KD to help a, a nonprofit organization. Can you believe that shit? That's bullshit. Yeah. So I think CSR might be a big thing and I'm going to try and make it a big thing. Like I'm going to talk about how influencers don't do enough corporate social responsibility shit and they need to like, that's who I would back up. If you gave me an influencer that was talking about renewing the playgrounds or doing something for people with diabetes or whatever it may be, or the abolish program, I would back actually influencing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not, Oh, buy this shaker or buy fucking these pants that I'm wearing or, or you do know. what me and my trainer do, but also I had surgery. <laughs> I know, right? And dude, your trainer's a douchebag, all right? Yeah. Like, I hope he listens to this show. I hope it's a hate yeah. listen, all right? He knows <laughs> I'm talking about him. And, and you know the trainer I'm talking about. He is a douchebag, a numero uno douchebag. Oh, that's hilarious. I didn't say any names, so I can't get sued. How, how about podcasting predictions for 2020? How many new podcasts do you think are going to come up or what's going to be the major trend there? See, I think Kuwait's a tough market. My opinion is they won't stick it out for the long haul because so they want, they don't understand that one slow listen. Growth. Yeah. <laughs> that's podcasting yep. though. You look at the yep. great podcasts. They didn't make it big until after like six, five, seven, eight, nine years and or it's, five years. And it's still fairly new. I mean, it's still, it is. There's a lot of them out there, but it's still fairly new. Yeah. And dude, honestly, like someone asked me the other day, they're like, Oh, why do you podcast? And I said, because I want to bring the right information to people. I want to get people on our show and we want to educate people. You know, like yeah. that's the important thing. I want to help people feel empowered to make better decisions for themselves, or at least, you know, have some resources when they are struggling with decisions that come to, you know, your health, your happiness, your relationships, whatever it is. And that's what we set out. No, exactly. And yeah. here, I think it's, it's going to turn into more of a trend. I actually, I don't even think it's going to turn into a trend because it's slow growth. No one can deal with that. Yeah. And you've seen some people drop off. And it's totally. like, I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. And I mean, there's a couple other new podcasts that have popped up. I hope they do well. And if they ever need anything, I would never say no to helping out with right. anything. Because the more podcasts that pop up is the better for everybody. Because everyone's going to learn yeah. how to download a podcast, listen to it, <laughs> funnel true. out the good information and the bad information. And I'm pretty confident that like, we're good. Like We have <laughs> good guests that come on that offer value. You know, and yeah, you just I just agree. look through our episodes, like look through all the yeah. people that have come on and every one of them has offered a good takeaway from the heart doctor Definitely. to face to Hey, Shadhan. They um, teach you something in every episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude. And that's what I love about yeah. our job. Like, that's what I love about yeah. this. Like you, we learn I, I know, dude. <laughs> it's like Thursday morning for me. I'm like, it's like going to school. <laughs> <I get excited>. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah. I think we can wrap it up right there. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at The Project Kuwait. Thank you, and join us next time.